I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And, and we, we just watched Critters 2. The main course. The main course. You know, <laughs> repeated it. It's another taste of terror. It's a second dose of horror. The fight is back. You can't go in there. Let's just go get help. Well, who are we going to call? Critter Busters? Critters 2. The main course. Rated PG-13. Coming April 29th to a theater near you. So this is Easter Sunday, 2020. And it's so very appropriate that we're talking about Critters 2, a Mick Garris jam from 1988 that happens to take place on Easter. Mm. It was my choice for that very reason. The most Once again, terrifying of holidays. Yes, <laughs> it, it is. It, it's got uh, some heavy hitting subject matter, Easter. Yeah. People um, returning from the dead. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have uh, Passover also kind of coinciding with it. So mm-hmm. another yeah. kind of dark biblical story about murdering children. And so. Blood above yeah. the door. Yeah. Yes. And once again, just to, to note things to our listeners, Jeff is remotely uh, calling in via Skype. So we're still doing uh, quarantine-esque remote recording. So if you notice any wonkiness, that might be why. Mm-hmm. That's right. Kia. Mm-hmm. Kia, give us a little synopsis of Critters 2. Well. The main course. Synopsis from IMDb says... Eggs of the small, furry alien carnivores are left behind on Earth, and after hatching, they again set their appetites on the town of Grover's Bend. There you go. That's it. Yeah, we, we have uh, the some returning characters from the original, if you've ever seen Critters, uh, the original home invasion Little Monsters movie. Uh, we have uh, Bradley Brown returning. He was the main character in the original, the little kid. He's he's grown up into a sassy teenager with an earring and a mullet. So, yeah, he kind of looks like a redheaded Paul McCartney. Oh, he really does. I, I kind of got. Um, I think he was trying to channel Michael J. Fox a little bit. I think he was trying oh, yeah. for like a, you know, Marty McFly esque type of performance, where kind of cool dorky kid type of thing. Because um, like there was one point when the bounty hunters first show up, and he's all like, "I love these guys," or something like that, you know. And it sounded very much like an imitation of Michael J. Fox to me. So. Um. But yeah, we we have uh, Bradley returning. We have the bounty hunters uh, from the original uh, film. There's alien bounty hunters that are searching for the Krites, who are the critter uh, mini aliens that uh, are carnivious and uh, seem to be pretty intelligent and uh, eating everything in sight. Jeff? Yes. Tell us your experience with the Critters franchise. Uh, Well... The first time I saw Critters was on Thursday, and Mm. uh, (laughs) now I remember Critters as a kid. I just never watched it for some reason, and then watching it the other day, I was like, oh, I probably would have really loved this as a kid. I kind of wish I had watched it. I think I, uh, is the first one rated R? I think it's PG-13, right? Um, I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, because, like, my, my parents wouldn't let me watch rated R movies, but, uh, I also don't remember having, like, a strong uh, urge to watch it as a kid. But, like, remember in the Ninja Turtles movie, Raphael's walking out of the theater, and he's watching, he just walked out of Critters, and he's like, yeah, where did they come up with this crap, or whatever. (laughs) I was like, oh, that must be a terrible movie. But, uh, you know, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was, uh, you know, talking about the first one, I don't want to go into the second one yet, but, you know, the first one, I enjoyed. Kia, what about you? What's your experience with Critors. I think I knew about it as a kid, but I don't know if I saw it the first one until me and you watched it. Yeah. I think. So, and I honestly don't remember 
watching it the first ones. I, I remember watching it. I don't remember much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know he had a si- didn't he have a sister? He did. Okay, and she was like you know making out in like the hayloft, and right. then they got attacked. And With I remember Billy Zane is the boyfriend oh, who gets oh, attacked. Of course. Yeah. So yeah, I don't have like any fond memories of like the first one from childhood or anything like that. So you know, but I'm pretty sure I probably liked it enough. The first one is a fun movie. Definitely. I mean, growing up, I liked all the little monster movies as far as ghoulies and gremlins. And there was even like even cheaper knockoffs like hobgoblins. And I mean, I liked all that stuff. Munchies. Oh, munchies. Yeah. And puppet Master. Did you watch those? Yes. I love the Puppet Master. The Puppet Master <laughs> movies are actually pretty damn creepy and, and yeah. strange. Um, you haven't seen the new one, though. Like oh, the, right. Right. The that right came out a couple years ago. or something. Yeah. It's kind of like a reboot type situation, I, I think. So. <laughs> That's actually uh, the Puppet Master. I can't remember which one it was, but I watched at least one of those as a kid. Like, that's one of the mm. few I actually did see when it came out. Well, it's definitely creepy with the, the leech woman. Remember that? The puppet yeah. that would spit the leeches out mm-hmm. on people. And mm-hmm. it's kind of weirdly sexual with a puppet, which is kind of weird, too. And there's that one um, puppet that had, like, human hands. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Pinhead. He yeah. was Pinhead, yeah. They were all really cool character designs, I thought, uh, mm-hmm. as a kid. Um but one thing I liked about Critters that kind of set it apart is that it's kind of set in a rural area, which I always thought was kind of neat as a kid. And usually when you see a horror movie that's set in the South or a rural area, the antagonists are hillbillies that are <laughs> The antagonists freaks. are just Southern people. <laughs> right, exactly. And city people are getting preyed on by hicks or whatever. So I kind of like that this is a rare example of a horror movie where the protagonists are the southerners or the rural people rather <laughs> and uh, they're not treated all like idiots you know what I mean like some mm. of them are pretty intelligent or savvy and you know there's a few stereotypes obviously especially in the sequel but um, yes Kia. cool little trivia I was looking up critters because yeah. Gremlins gets all the the um Accolades. The credit, yeah. and it said although promoted as New Line's answer to Gremlins, the screenplay for Critters, the first movie, had been written and bought before Gremlins was announced. Mm. So, Critters, guess came first. Well, I mean, Critters also has a lot of weird elements that something like Gremlins or even Ghoulies doesn't have because it's a sci-fi angle with the alien bounty mm-hmm. hunters and the alien origin of the the Krites too. So uh, it's kind of sci-fi horror before a lot of these other little monster movies are. Um, you can almost kind of see the influence of weird stuff like Star Wars and everything on it in a way because with with kind of like the spaceships and the aliens yeah. and, that, you know, the shape-shifting aliens and everything. So the part two, obviously, I picked strictly because it's an Easter movie, and but I think it's a really fun, uh, dumb monster movie. And, and I like that there's a little bit of continuity from the original going into the second one. And I like that they expand a little bit on the critter's abilities and everything and the life cycle. Because in the first one, they're fully formed. We don't see the egg, mm-hmm. um, you know, hatching and uh, how heat kind of helps propel the eggs. And um, we also don't really see some of the uh, limitations of the critters and some of their... Because like, I used to always argue that gremlins could beat critters in a fight if it was like even numbers but watching part two man i'm pretty sure critters would obliterate gremlins i mean they're just they could just like shoot them with their needles from a distance they they have so many wild animal abilities that gremlins don't have and they're they're much more organized (laughs) than the gremlins and gremlins are more into mischief whereas (laughs) the critters are straight up trying to kill things i mean they're they're very predatory and um you know trying to eat as much as humanly or but not humanly, alienly possible, I guess. So, and they have way more teeth. Yeah. And do do they grow? Because I feel like in the first one they got bigger, but in the second one they just it seemed like they stayed the same size. You're you're completely right. In the original, uh, they imply that the more they eat, uh, the bigger they'll get. And there's there's massive that that kind of becomes like the big heavy of the original one is a really large critter that's kind of like the the leader, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they drop that idea in favor of uh, I guess kind of having organized like Keo is implying, mm-hmm. like they they hunt more in packs. And of course, you know the big uh, marquee moment is when they combine into a giant ball of critters and can oh. roll around you know and just have this really crazy ability to roll around in a huge massive you know group 
and have a lot of dexterity and stuff too. Like they're really able to control it. Uh, I said they were like evil popples. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was the part I was looking forward to the most because I remember when this movie came out, seeing the trailer as a kid and seeing them all combined to make a giant ball, you know? Yeah. I remember as a kid wanting to see that part. And I'm, I don't know. I might have seen this, or at least part of this as a kid, and forgotten about it, because when the Hungry Heifer theme played, I was like, I know this. I've heard this before. (laughs) Hungry Heifer. It's funny, too, because uh, Nick Garris, I don't know how long he's been vegan, but, but I'm, I'm going to hazard a guess that he was at least vegetarian when he made this movie mm-hmm. because there's lots of little... Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's trying... He has some big agenda, but I think he's just kind of poking fun at consuming animals and um, the, the, some of the ideas of the differences between a, a straight-up carnivore and a herbivore type of thing and yeah. kind of gluttony of humans as you know we eat burgers yeah. and kind of gross animal byproducts and then the grandmother at the beginning is teaching her daycare kids yeah. about eating vegetables and how that meat just rots in your intestines yeah she said <laughs> she said something funny too that uh, carnivores have intestines that just push the meat right out and then herbivores have intestines that kind of keep the meat inside too long and it decays in, in your gut and all this stuff hmm. uh, which is really probably stupid <laughs> propaganda I doubt that's true at all but uh, maybe it is who knows um, so Kia why don't you start us off what did you think of the movie I enjoyed it. I did like, um, this is the second time, because we've seen it before, so for me it was the second time seeing it. Um, and I like it. I mean, it's it's just a fun movie. Mm. There's a lot of humor in it, and um, I like the setting. It's very, it's the word pastoral, I guess, where it's, sure. it's very rural, and it's all this lush greenery, and at the church, the, the, the older women of the church are like hiding the, the eggs and getting everything ready and everything's colorful and pretty mm. and they've painted the critter eggs these pretty colors that actually make them look nice. Like as a kid, I can see how you want one of those eggs because mm. they're they're big and they look weird. Um, so it looks it looked like a nice town to live in. Yep. And then everything just goes to hell. But I like the townspeople were cool. There were really no you always have a couple of bad seeds, but you know, um, it was just a nice, I don't know. I like the characters. Everyone works together and there's no infighting. There's no like real love relationship that kind of overrides the overrides the story. Yeah. yeah. It's just about a town of people just trying to yeah. save their town. Well, and I think that's a great point too about uh, the setting. It, it is very against uh, a lot of sci-fi horror, especially horror in general, where it's very bright and vibrant and a lot of it does take place during the daytime and (laughs) during Easter uh, Sunday (laughs) celebrations and everything. So it is very like pastels and, you know, just color palettes that you're not used to in in a scary monster movie or a little monster movie rather. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I did like the cast of characters, especially uh, the sheriff. I thought that was a nice addition yeah. where, you know, this grizzled, you know, sheriff that got kicked out disgracefully. He's a returning character from the original movie. But and different actor. Different actor, yeah. It's a different guy playing um, uh, Barry Corbin, um, mm-hmm. who is now on Better Call Saul. He's still hanging in there <laughs> uh, play, wow. playing parts and everything. But uh, I thought I think he's... Yes, go ahead. Uh, wasn't he on um, Northern Exposure? He was. That's where I knew him from. Yeah, he became yeah. a pretty big star from Northern Exposure late in life. He was also in um, No Country for Old Men. He plays <laughs> um, oh, yeah. a small part in that, but it's like a really good you know scene between him and Tommy Lee Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's some like real pedigree in this movie. I do remember going back to the characters. When I first saw this movie, I remember commenting to you, because at the end, the like the main kid and the the main girl... Mm-hmm. Like her, her dad is like, um, I guess he runs the newspaper. Yeah, he's like the editor. So she kind of, you know, they kind of team up to kind of help each other out. The the girl and the guy. I don't know. I don't remember her name. Mm-mm. Um, 
And at the end, they share like a little kiss or whatever, you know, just a cute little teenage crush thing, I guess. But I remember when I saw the movie the first time, I was like, she looks like she's about 30. <laughs> and he looks like he's like 15, but yeah. I guess she's supposed to be like just graduating from high school. Yeah. Cause he mentions her being a senior when he was there. But yeah, when I first saw it, I, I was confused cause to me, she looked much older yeah. than I guess she was playing, but yeah, I thought I so too. I also thought okay. like the fact that she was working for a newspaper, she had like an adult job and he was still like a high school kid. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute, how much older is she? Like, <laughs> I think she graduated because he said she was a senior. I'm assuming yeah. last, you know, when he was there before. So I'm, I, yeah. I assume 19. Right, she's like 18, 19 years old. And her dad just got her, you know, like a job or something. Yeah. But well, it's a very small paper. I mean, they they mentioned that it's the only paper in 80 miles or something like that. And um, I, I, I thought it was really funny when they showed an old headline about. Uh, Charlie, the uh, town wino that in the original movie, he's just like a bumbling idiot, and then he is recruited by the bounty hunters inexplicably, and he becomes an alien bounty hunter and returns to the town in part two as, you know, he's established himself, and he has, like, the get-up that all the alien bounty hunters are wearing and everything. But anyway, there's there's a, a little moment where Bradley's looking at a newspaper clipping, and it says, uh, local, uh, local townsperson disappears, and it has a big picture of Charlie, and it's front-page news, <laughs> giant letters of, you know, him disappearing, and I just thought, like, what town does that wino. happen? Yeah, yeah, town wino. <laughs> local, local wino. <laughs> you know, it's like, what town- happened to him, I wonder, you know. In this town, everyone is important. Definitely. They care about everyone. Yeah, everybody knows your name. And there's yeah. only like 30 people that live here. <laughs> I also thought it was funny when there's a, there's a point when uh, Brad is looking at a, a picture of him and Charlie together, and it's just a screenshot from the first movie <laughs> <laughs> where, like, you know, where Charlie's like got the slingshot. I was like, yeah. Why would he have a? Why would there be a third party there taking a picture, taking a picture of, of that. at that moment? Like, <laughs> uh, I thought that was funny. It's definitely weird. I mean, yeah. there's lots of little moments like that, lots of movieisms and everything. Yeah. Um, Jeff, uh, I'm kind of racing for what you feel about this because you've implied a lot that you liked the original, but as, mm-hmm. as we slide into part two, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I like the uh, the sequel too. I think I might have liked the sequel better than the original. Like, oh, nice. It's nice. kind of. Uh, yeah, it's a little more. I mean, not that the first one was super serious, but it's. I feel like the sequel is a little more comedic, almost. <laughs> but Sorry. like, uh, or maybe it just kind of seems that way. But, um, like they had the beer brand beer. Just oh like the, yeah. The white can with the weird word beer printed on it in black. Like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think uh, Mick Garris kind of leaned into the sensibilities of the first one where he kind of he maybe realized, oh, this is kind of a silly premise, uh, you yeah. know, and it, like you said, the first one takes it, they try to make it a horror movie, you know, it, mm-hmm. it does take itself really seriously, and this one kind of leans into the sillier aspects of it. It's a little bit like Gremlins yeah. 2 in that regard in some right, ways. Yeah. It, it becomes not quite parody, but it's getting there where, where they're, yeah. you know, poking fun at some of the ideas of the original. Especially when the critters take over the hungry heifer yeah. and they're I don't remember if they talk in the first one I think they I feel like they do don't they Jeff don't they yeah, have just a little like language a little bit, of their yeah. own yeah. Okay. where they kind of communicate with each other and then has subtitles at the bottom yeah but in the hungry heifer you made the, the, the comment that they're definitely going for a gremlins thing because they're just tearing up like this you know little fast food restaurant and they're in this um the lettuce and being silly and when the bounty hunters come in and shoot them like the one of the critters his hair comes off like right in the middle right right um and he looks at himself in the mirror and he's like oh no or something no he, sa- he says bitchin he likes oh, bitchin. it he thinks, oh, yeah. he thinks it looks cool in his yeah. language and then and then he immediately falls into the deep fryer and dies <laughs> i was like oh i thought that guy was going to be you know an identifiable critter that we would see through yeah. the movie but apparently not he just instantly died and he gave up <laughs> he tried tries to get out of the hot cooking grease and then he's just like, ah. Yeah, he, just he just gives it up. <laughs> it rolls. It's kind of a cute moment. I don't moment. think he would have been able to live. To live. Yeah. He, he, all his quills are burned off so he can't shoot the little nails or whatever. Hmm. He would have been ostracized from the rest of the group. <laughs> <laughs> he could have been a critter they turned to the good side. Maybe yeah. he would have had to band up with the humans. <laughs> In order to destroy the critters, you gotta think like critters. <laughs> Jeff, any other uh, initial thoughts on it? Or in the, I kind of cut you off there. I'm sorry. 
Um, yeah, I just thought it was a lot of fun. It was uh, it was one of those like like I said earlier. I kind of wish I had seen these as a kid. Now I didn't. Um, I don't know for whatever reason. I just never. I was never curious enough to actually rent the movie or anything. Right. But uh, I think I probably would have enjoyed it as a kid. And uh, I was also there. So there's that one scene where. You know, you have the two bounty hunters that can change their appearance, mm-hmm. and uh, one of them keeps changing every time it sees a new person, <laughs> and uh, he sees the cardboard cutout of Freddy Krueger, and I was like, oh, man, there's going to be a Robert England cameo in this. Right, in line <laughs> cinema tie-in, yeah. yeah. But, uh, that have been cool. Was, it wasn't meant to be, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think it may have uh, taken the movie just a, a notch out of the reality like that they were establishing you know what I mean like if he can yeah. literally turn into just anything I mean that might get a little rough uh, <laughs> yeah. and but but there again I mean we get some interesting examples of those abilities later in the movie yeah. Um, and yeah I, I was kind of I'm always shocked I don't know why because I've seen this movie a few times over the years uh with the the nudity, you know this yeah. the the, the kind of gratuitous, uh, you know, because Ugg, no, it's not Ugg, it's Lee is the, the yeah, bounty yeah. hunter that shapeshifts over and over, and uh, he chooses the form of a Playboy centerfold fold, mm-hmm. and um, for some reason when he transforms into this woman, he bursts out of his uniform, <laughs> like his his boobs <laughs> and you know all of his curves just destroy his clothes and yeah. he's buck naked pretty much he has like a thong and it's the only thing that's left yeah. and it just seems so out of place in this movie this movie is so <laughs> PG-13 until yeah. that moment there's yeah. so many like older people in the movie which right. I mean that's fine but they're supposed to be like sweet elderly church women that are trying to put together a nice little Easter right. thing and then there's a lot of kids in the movie because the the grandmother of Bradley runs a daycare center yeah um and um and the girl also has a younger sister, right? Right. That's you know that keeps popping up. So, yeah, I remember watching it with you know last night with you and just saying, it just seems like some of these, especially in the eighties, I guess, it just seems like these directors just went out of their way to make sure they could get boobs somewhere in a movie, and it's just so unnecessary. And especially in this movie, this isn't like Friday the Thirteenth, where that kind of makes right. more sense. I mean. This is like a straight, just, it's almost a family horror movie. And then that happens and it's, it seems very unnecessary. Yeah, it's like, uh, I think there's that old Roger Corman rule of every 15 minutes you have to have either someone get killed or tantalizing women. Like you have to have one of those things happen to keep the audience, you know, interested in these kind of B pictures or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if Mick Garris felt the pressure to kind of, insert that at a certain point is like oh we haven't had any kind of uh, you know buxom women in this or whatever but it also if you compare it to the other sequels i mean the original and the sequels it just seems really out of place that you know what i mean it's like one of the only instances in this franchise where that sort of thing happens so very jarring it's very strange it did kind of make yeah. the gag later funnier where he turns into the geeky guy that's true then he, like he's still in kind of the scantily clad outfit but he's like this dude with these like skinny legs and like right no that <laughs> was a good gag i mean yeah. they, they they definitely had fun with uh lee you know changing forms and everything mm-hmm. um the uh we uh kia mentioned the grandmother i, I know did you recognize the grandmother i didn't know no she was the old lady in that episode of uh, Erie, Indiana, where uh, uh, what's his name, Tobey Maguire, comes back and he oh tries he's to like give that ahead. letter to his old love or whatever. Yeah, I totally didn't recognize <laughs> her from that. That's wild. Yeah. Hmm. She had a little one-two punch, late eighties, early nineties. Nice. I do think in this one that Ugg who I'm assuming is kind of like the leader. He's the one that he takes the form. He looks like Tim Curry, but he takes the form of, in the first movie, of a rock star. Right. Right. I felt that he was pretty ineffectual in this movie. I guess after, because Lee, the one that shapes us all the the time, um, gets killed by the critters. Yes. And then I think Ugg kind of goes into a depression. And um, he, like... He uh, shapeshifts back into their normal alien form, I guess, mm-hmm. which is just uh, nothing. Just like a, a blank face. A blank face. Um, and he's very sad. And he's not really doing anything. And at the end, the townspeople, their big plan is to get all the critters to go to 
the um, it's like a meat plant, mm-hmm. the town's meat plant that I guess gives all the meat to hungry heifer, and appears to be the main. Wait, let me let me just pause real quick. Can oh. you, uh, just spoilers: we're we're getting oh. into main ending territory. So if you haven't seen Critters Two, and we've enticed you, sorry, please check it out before you listen to how it ends. Because there's there's a few clever moments here that we're about ready to reveal. So. Here we go, Kia. Yeah. Continue. They're yeah, they're they're getting all the critters to go to this meat plant and to to feed them and lock them in there and then blow the place up. Um, so I, under, I I understand they're trying to defend their their town, but I I do think they're also eliminating the main source of employment in this, oh, in yeah. this place. <laughs> but anyway. Um, and it didn't work. work. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. So it turns out they get into the plant, and there's this extra big critter. Yeah, that's leading turn, them. And yeah. it, that's leading them, to because the, they're about to change their minds and go back. And it turns out that it's Ugg that transformed into a critter. So you yeah. think, oh, because I remember commenting, Ugg is, where is he? Mm. So he, you think, oh, okay, he came out of his depression. He saved the day. They blow up the plant. And that's when the ginormous ball of critters burst out. So it doesn't. It didn't seem like this explosion killed any of them. No. Even though it should have, <laughs> yeah. because it was a big explosion. So then yeah. Ugg basically, oh. he didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> he just yeah. cost them... Um, their main source of employment <laughs> and meat. I but. also uh, <laughs> noticed, like, so that big explosion didn't kill them, but then the explosion later did. And I was like, what's the difference between the two explosions? Why did one kill them and the other didn't? It really makes no sense. Well, yeah. maybe the, the one, the other explosion, which was... From the spaceship. The yeah. wino with right. Charlie. Charlie. Mm-hmm. Um, he flies into it, Independence Day style or whatever, and it explodes. Yeah. Maybe that was different because it was a direct hit. It was a direct hit, and then we don't know what kind of fuel source that um, spaceship has. So maybe it's a little more potent. Of yeah. a little, even though it wasn't a bigger explosion, maybe the concentration was different. I don't know. I'm kind of searching. <laughs> also, here. there's like a scene at the beginning where like shows a little girl in her bedroom, and she her like arm is hanging down and stuff, and then the dad <laughs> walks in, he steps on one, and it just right. turns into a pile of like green goop. Yeah. Like, yeah. It seems like incredibly easy to kill them, but yet well, that that but, was you know, a that fun. was a hatchling critter. So it was oh. it was like a baby one. So maybe they're a little easier to mm-hmm. to kick around when they're little. Um, but man, like going back to the critters' abilities, because uh, early on I was like, why don't they just kick these motherfuckers? You know what I mean? Like I, I thought that a few <laughs> times, where it's like, why don't they just you know when they get into a ball form, just kick the shit out of them or whatever. <laughs> But yeah. uh, you see them attack a truck. The, the main characters are in a truck at one point, and just, like, three or four of them decimate this truck. I mean, they just, like, when they form into a ball, it's like Sonic the Hedgehog style. They can, like, roll really quickly <laughs> and jump up. And, I mean, they're denning this truck, and then they yeah. bite into it. They're destroying the tires. I mean, it's mm. pretty intense. I think my favorite gag in the whole movie, though, is when they've turned into that giant ball of critters, and then it mm-hmm. rolls over that guy, and after it rolls oh. over him, you just see, like, kind of the skeleton with, like, muscles, and it's like, ah! Yeah, they all take yeah. little mini bites. He was, he was running in a straight line, which is never a good idea. Yeah. It was, like, yeah, a Prometheus style. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there was, like, nothing else around him. He's, like, in an open field. He could have eventually just <laughs> dove out of the way or something. But then we, we wouldn't get the, the gag. So somebody yeah, has get to the be funny that sacrificial lamb. Oh, that was a lab, horrible lab, way to die. <laughs> We're gonna go I want to talk it. about the, um, the, the Easter Bunny kill. Cause it's oh, Easter. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that great. <laughs> um, when everyone's at the church and... I guess they're having like an Easter ceremony. The the older women have hidden the eggs in like the garden or whatever right outside the church. And the, I guess he's the new sheriff, mm-hmm. um, has decided to dress up as the Easter Bunny, and he's really upset about it. And it's something that he definitely does not want to do. And he tries on the suit, which looks like it hasn't been cleaned in many years because it's white and dingy, and he can't get the zipper up. And um, when he's walking through the garden. Um, I guess some of the the eggs are still out there, and they've hatched. They're still little hatchlings, or little yeah. round things. <laughs> They're decorated, yeah. Yeah, and he can't. He starts hopping like a bunny. I guess he's just practicing because no one's out there, mm. and his zipper is still down. And these little round hatchlings just all jump into his crotch area, and yeah. it just seems once again it's like a horrible 
Way to go. Absolutely. And you can only <laughs> imagine how much damage ah. they were doing. Because, like, four of them jump into <laughs> his crotch, right, yeah. you know, very quickly. And uh, we've seen the damage they can do. So it's, like, all to his hips and crotch area, I guess, <laughs> because he is staggering. And th- there's a great moment where he just literally crashes through the stained glass, you, you know, windows of the, the, the church, rolling in as this dead Easter bunny. Um, and that's, like, moment. I think the first time the townspeople start believing this kid because when he comes back in town, they're all kind of like, oh, here he is again. Yeah. You're aliens. Yeah. You know, they don't believe him because I guess in the first one they just attacked the farmhouse. Yeah, the damage was kind of localized yeah. a little bit, so not many people saw it. But now they believe him, and they're pretty quick yeah. to adapt. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah. That they, there wasn't that much skepticism <laughs> once, once it got rolling. Um, yeah, that reminds me, like, once it gets uh, rolling in the all the... Everyone's kind of hiding out in the church, and then the uh, Ugg shows up, and he's in his kind of natural form with, like, the no face. Yeah. Not one person in that whole church was like, holy shit, look at that! Like, everyone just kind of was like, oh, whatever, it's just Brad and his weird alien friend. Well, I mean, I'm not going to look after my friends over here. Uh, what, going back a little bit, what do you think of the premise of... You know, the original Critters ends with, like, the, the tag, the punch-out of the eggs, right? Yeah. So, you know, they destroyed all the Critters, but, hey, there's these eggs. What's going to happen? And then this takes place two years after the original, and for some reason the eggs have not hatched. And uh, <laughs> some reason, like, a young teenager sells the eggs to a local, like, antiques dealer, that yeah. premise is really, really flimsy. It makes no sense. Like, if it, yeah. it's one of those things you just have to go with and not question at all. Because yeah. it's like, why would this antique dealer want it? And why would anyone want to buy it from him? Like, the, the grandmother that runs, the, you know, the Easter ceremony is like, oh, yes, Easter eggs. I love them. And it's like, uh oh. Okay. Yeah, he, t- he tells him they're Easter eggs from, like, Europe. Yeah. And she's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, it seems like it would have made more sense for him to just directly go to the church and be like, hey, I found these eggs. I'm going to try to make some money. Hey, old lady, you want to buy some eggs for Easter? Right, right. Did they not show any uh, eggs in the first movie? Because the older lady's in the first movie, right? No, I don't. Sh- no, I don't she, think she was. Oh, she's not. She, no, 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 she no. may have been. I, I don't remember. I've oh, forgotten now. But when the honest. critters are attacking her house, she, Bradley runs in and says, "The critters are back." And she's like, no shit, Bradley. So she already knows about oh, him. Yeah. But she might just have knowledge from the family. You're, you're probably right, though. Maybe that is a returning character, and I've just forgotten. You would just think if she was, or she at least knew about the critters, she believed her grandson. Mm-hmm. She might have been suspicious of these eggs, but maybe not. Well, the, the characters in the original never saw any eggs. The okay. critters were, like, fully formed in the first one. And mm-hmm. then that was just yeah. the punch out, as you saw, that they laid eggs. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, kind of setting up for a sequel type of thing. Yeah, and I think uh, I was thinking about that earlier today, actually. I was thinking, like, what a weird choice to set this movie during Easter. I wonder what made them decide to do that. And then I realized, like, oh, it's probably they were like, oh, they have eggs left behind. Mm -hmm. What can we do with eggs? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, eggs, Easter. We'll make them, like, (laughs) they'll get mistaken for Easter eggs. Well, I mean, that's totally true. But I I think the other angle is just how rare an Easter horror movie is. I mean, they're they're just, like, non-existent. I mean, you can probably count on your hands how many there are mainstream anyway yeah so I thought of a couple of other things um first of all like these are both like happen within like five minutes of each other or even less than that at the end of the movie where uh, Charlie comes back um he he's walking around he's like uh, so, so like the whole battle and everything took place at night and then the next morning he's uh Brad's getting on the bus and he's saying goodbye to everybody and then Charlie walks up and he's got this parachute on. He's like, can someone help me get this parachute off? I was like, he's been walking around all night with that parachute on. Yeah. And then, like, right as he walks up to them, he figures, like, oh, here we go. And he, like, figured it out. I was like, man, you got to be, he's like, man, it'd be funny if you put a line in there. Like, I've been trying to get that off all night. Hey, what are you guys doing? And then, uh, okay. I was just going to say, you're probably going to address this. So, but, like, the, also the really bad, uh, special effect of Charlie because oh. Ugg took on the appearance of Charlie after it looked like he sacrificed himself. So, right. um, 
so he's he's doppelganged um, Charlie, mm-hmm. and there was a moment where Charlie's like, "Oh my God, Ugg looks like me!" And they they, <laughs> they, they they look at each other and they, they like do that classic thing where they spin around each other, and the yes. special effect is like very very obvious, very eighties mm-hmm. um, special effect of uh, the two of them kind of looking at each other in awe or whatever. And uh, it's like a weird composite green screen thing. Yeah. And it's weird too because uh, also. Ugg never uh, takes his eyes off of Charlie's eyes. It's yeah. like, why are they doing that? Like why? he turns around with him. Yeah, yeah. Like exactly. why wouldn't he let Charlie walk all the way around him, just going, "Yeah, take it in," you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just that, very strange. I thought of the same thing. I was like, why would Ugg like turn with him? I, you think Charlie would be like, "Hey, man, I just want to see what I look like from behind too." Like, can <laughs> you just stand still? <laughs> but Ugg, they're they're aliens, so they're weird. Yeah, they're yeah, socially yeah. different. Probably so. like, why is he walking around me? But the other thing I thought of was, uh, like, at the end of the movie when they're about to leave on the bus, the sheriff, like, hands Charlie the badge, and he, like, gives him a wink, and he's all like, I've got the badge. And I was like, wait a minute. That's not how becoming a sheriff works. (laughs) There are elections, and, like... That's what Craig said. Craig was like, I'm not going to tell him there's an election. (laughs) It was basically they just wanted Charlie to feel okay about being abandoned, uh, because he was like... You're not going to just leave me, are you? Like, I, I, I guess yeah. uh, the bounty hunter was kind of like, listen, you destroyed my ship. You weren't really very effective as a bounty hunter, so go to hell. But, you know, he yeah. took, it, Ugg leaves, you know, Earth mm-hmm. and doesn't take Charlie. And that's like his consolation prize is now you have, you know, a real role in the town as the sheriff. I think Ugg would have taken Charlie. I think Charlie just decided to stay, though. Could be, yeah. Um, I think. Cause, and, cool. um. What were you going to say? Jeff's getting cut off because we're remote. Oh, no, that's right. Go ahead. Oh. Oh, I was going to say, um, oh, that surely the townspeople would elect Charlie. He did save the day. Like, yeah, everyone's. I know him. he has a history of being an alcoholic, but he's clearly changed. <laughs> well, and also, uh, maybe you could imply. Uh, the sheriff, the, the you know the retired sheriff, is just planting the seed of like, hey, this is yeah. what you should do, and he's going to take the badge and go, okay, I'll run for sheriff, uh, you know, yeah, a it little bit of extra, if- like one line could have cleared that up a little bit because it did basically yeah. seem like, well, I'm a sheriff now, this is great, <laughs> yeah. you know, Barney Five style. I was going to say, it'd be really funny if there was a line in there where, like, the sheriff gives him the badge, and mm-hmm. then Charlie looks up, he's like, oh, I'm the sheriff now? And then the sheriff's like, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just giving you a souvenir. Like, you have that. There's a process involved here. You can't just become a sheriff because someone gave you a badge. But uh, good to see you, Charlie. I mean, like, maybe, glad you're okay. Maybe, maybe the filmmakers just felt like, hey, listen, if they accepted everything in this movie so far, they'll accept that this guy is a sheriff now. Who cares? You can't pick and choose what, you know. Oh, you mean That's, the townspeople. Mm. Yeah, I thought you meant the viewers. No, I meant the viewers, actually. Oh, yeah. You can't yeah. pick and choose what will make sense and what won't, because then none yeah. of this makes sense. Right. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It's funny to like pick it apart and stuff. Oh yeah, it's, uh, it's all pretty silly at the end of the day. But it, and even though this has some like fun special effects, that's very '80s and everything. The critters are actually really good puppets. I mean, they, yeah. they they have nice articulation and their abilities. I think are played out. And I couldn't figure out how they did some of this stuff, like uh, yeah. the rolling oh. balls and everything. Like uh, there were times where I was like, I don't know how they're doing this shit because there's a bunch of them and they're going all different directions and yeah. they were changing directions sometimes. So I was gonna bring that up too because uh, I didn't know if maybe you knew how they did it because I was think I was watching and going like I need to look up to see like how they made these balls roll around like this because I I thought maybe they just made little ones and then had it on a platform and then had the camera Mm -hmm. mounted to it and then they could tilt the platform and make the balls roll. That makes sense, actually, yeah. That does make sense. I don't know if that's actually how they did it or not, but that's the only thing I could think of. But then there's, like, ones, you know, like the gigantic one. Right. Like, how do they do that? Is there, like, a guy inside running? I don't know. And there definitely were scenes where I'm positive they just had, you know, like, prop uh, ball critters that they just mm-hmm. threw from all dire- directions and stuff like right. that rolled around tumbleweed style. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm positive they did that sometimes, but yeah. there are other times like you're saying, Jeff, that it, w- it was really tough to figure out how they made them change directions yeah. and go different directions all in the same shot and everything. Yeah. So I guess there could be also be like fishing line 
instances yeah. maybe where they're pulling them, that type of thing. So mm. at one point I was like, maybe they did it like BB-8, but it, <laughs> but you know in the. BB-8 was in those uh, Star Wars movies. Everyone was like, how do they do it? Yeah. It seemed like that was kind of newer technology. but uh. Yeah, it was, then, it was like a puppeteer they CGI'd out, basically, right? With BB-8. No, they actually, BB-8 is actually a remote-controlled thing that works Ooh, the way it looks in the movie. Nice. Hm. Neat. Um, it's like some kind of like gyroscope thing hm. on the inside that makes it work. Yeah, I, I feel um, like Critters 2 probably didn't have the budget to do yeah. something like that in 1988. But. <laughs> Especially with that many of them. Yeah. The first one was directed by the guy that did Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yes. And hmm. several other ones. I looked it up. I was like, man, this guy's got like a really good resume. He's got a, done a lot of good movies. You <laughs> might remember that for later. <gasps> oh, yeah? Oh, yes. my God. Yes. New Critters movie? I don't um, know why. What, what happens later? Well, that, that, oh, don't worry about it. There was also. Oh, <laughs> I see. Yeah, I, I, I have some trivia set up, and I said too much. You both have already delved into tr- some of the. I didn't. Do, I didn't do a great job, apparently. But uh, um, I. The other thing I was going to mention, sorry, Kajaf, is the. Uh, I really love the alien in the beginning that like contacts the bounty hunters to be like, hmm. "Hey, there's still crites on planet right. Earth. You got to go clean that mess up." I was like, "Oh, that's a really cool looking alien. It had like the puppet arms, like the Definitely. big head." Well, they, they hint at like this expanded universe. Uh, you know, the, they do a great job of, of. There's all these different alien races that interact with each other, and Earth is just a backwater planet that they don't really want to deal with unless they really have to type of situation. So th- it's neat how they kind of hint at a bigger universe. On IMDb, blatantly doing it. On IMDb, it says that alien. I think its name was Zanti or Zanti. At the beginning, was played by Cynthia Garris. No, so like a maybe wife, maybe wife or sister, maybe. I, huh. I thought it was funny, like he had a mustache and he was just talking like a regular person. They didn't make it; they didn't give him like an alien voice. Yeah, he didn't have an accent, really. He yeah, was he was kinda... just like, um, "Hey, guys." So, um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well, I, I was going to mention too that there have been some recent critters uh, activity where sci-fi did uh, a straight to sci-fi movie that starred Dee Wallace who was in the original but she wasn't playing the same part it was a totally different part and it's pretty bad obviously oh. and then uh, Shudder had a uh, oh, yeah. uh, a Critters TV show which was really just a Critters movie that they cut up into 10 minute bites to call it a TV show to spin it a different way and it's horrible it was so badly mm. done which it's weird to me because this seems like something that would be fun to kind of revive if, if yeah. done correctly and, and just given a little bit of time and attention instead of quick ca- crash ooh, cash grabs rather. But um, yeah. I don't yeah, know. I saw the, the previews or the trailer or whatever for that, and it, it looked like it was made by the people that made Sharknado. You know, it's really oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. purposely badly made. Yeah, like I think the Critters Two hit the hit the right balance of yeah. where it's it's a little tongue in cheek and it's winking at the camera sometimes, but for the most part, it's a straight movie, you know. And I think that's what they need. It can't it can't go full tilt, Naked Gun style. Then it just loses <laughs> the appeal. I think so. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and grade this bad boy. Uh, Kia, start us off. Um, I give it a. <laughs> I'll give it a. B minus. All right. B minus from Kia. Jeff? Um, I'd probably give it a B plus. I was trying to decide B plus or A minus. I'd go B plus. Nice. Wow. Nice. Um, I'm giving it a straight A. It's not top of the line, but it's, oh. you know, you have to bear in mind, I'm the only person here that saw it as a kid. So I, I oh, have, you have yeah. feelings. Yeah, I have a little bit of feelings for it. And I, I thought it was a really fun movie back in the day. And did um, it make you look under your bed? Were you like, oh, no, no, I wasn't that young. Oh. I wasn't like a baby. It was 1988. <laughs> I would have been like 10 years old. <laughs> I wasn't like a toddler. Like, Mommy, daddy. Um, I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And And we we just just reviewed Critters 2. The main course. The main course. course. Yes. (laughs) Very good. Very good. And don't you forget, all of your friendly, hungry, hipper restaurants throughout the Midwest are open on Easter Sunday. So after church, why don't you and your family stop in for a creamy moo shake or some crispy buffalo chips? And we'd like to invite you and your family to visit our factory right off of Highway 54, just outside of Grover's Bend. We'd love to see you. Moo. At the-
Once again for Half-Assed Horror Trivia! You guys ready to do a little trivia? Yes. Let's do it. So we discussed it since Jeff is remote. We can't really do the buzzer system of calling in. So I'm just going to go one at a time. Um, There's ten questions. So uh, who wants to go first? Anyone want to call it? Guess what? Do that. Let's guess the number, and whoever's closest goes first. Okay, I'm thinking of a number. Between Eight. what? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. One and oh. ten. Okay. Eight. Mm, nine. Wow. Jeff won. That was four. So. Well, I was trying to go closer. Or, yeah. 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 You, you I messed, messed up. up. You definitely messed up. Okay, That's so Jeff, stupid. you get question one. I hate myself. Oh, goodness. This is a um, <laughs> this is a quiz called Gremlins, Ghoulies, and Trolls. Oh my! <laughs> a little monsters <laughs> trivia jam. This is all assembled from IMDb trivia, so I did not work that hard for it, guys. I'm sorry. Um, number one for Jeff. Gizmo is a Mogwai. What does Mogwai mean in Cantonese? Any guesses, Jeff? Little furry animal. Is that your final answer? Yes. Incorrect. Oh. Kia, would you like to guess? Um, or would you like the answers? Options. Options. I would like the answers, yeah. A. What, what does Mogwai mean in Cantonese? A. Cute. B. Devil. C. Child. D. Puppy. Hmm. I'm going to go with... Uh, Child? Incorrect. Oh, is it devil? Devil or Damn demon, it. yes. Oh, no. He's saying um, Gizmo is a devil? <laughs> mm. All right. So, Kia, you get question number two. Yes. What is the screen debut of Julia Louise Dreyfus? <laughs> um, um, troll. That's correct. <laughs> Five points for me. I'm just kidding. Just two, all right? Yes. Jeff, uh, question three. Mrs. Deagle, the richest person in town in Gremlins, names her legion of cats after what? Um, options. A, the seven dwarves. B, biblical angels. C, little rascals. D, currency. Hmm. Oh, um, currency. That is correct. Oh, no. Yeah. I really yeah. thought it was Little Rascals. Yeah. Uh, she, she names them, like, ruble, peso, dollar bill, et cetera. Oh. So. In my mind, I was like, I'm pretty sure she named one Darla. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, no. I love that part. <laughs> so, uh, Kia, you get question four. Okay. Which of these films was shot in Rome? A, Ghoulies 2. B, Leprechaun. C, Critters, D, Puppet Master. Shot in Rome? Yes. Puppet Master. Incorrect. Jeff, do you have a guess? Um, so it was Troll? No, no. It was Ghoulies 2, Leprechaun, Critters, Puppet Master. Leprechaun. Incorrect. It was Ghoulies 2. Ghoulies 2? If you can believe it. I love Ghoulies 2. I should have known that. Shot in Rome, because they were talking about how all the extras uh, were speaking Italian or whatever. Like, it's only the main cast is English speaking. Number five for Jeff. The infamous, oh my God, scene from Troll 2 has been viewed roughly how many times on YouTube? (laughs) Three million. Incorrect. It's Kia, infamous. I've never seen it, I don't think. I need the options because it seems like a specific number. A, 2 million. B, 7 million. C, 14 million. D, 28 million. Hmm. 14 million. Incorrect. 7 million. Wow. That's a lot. It is. <laughs> number six yes. for Kia. Mushroom, the sixth. Oh, excuse me. Mushroom, the canine thespian that played Billy's dog in Gremlins, appeared in what other horror film? 
Would you like the options? Um, I'm just going to say the gate. Oh, incorrect. Good guess. Incorrect. <laughs> Jeff, would you like the options? Do you have a guess? Yes, please. Options. A, Pumpkinhead. B, Halloween 4. C, Friday the 13th, Part 3. D, Dr. Giggles. Pumpkinhead. That is correct. Mm. Yes, he was Lance Hingerson's dog in Pumpkinhead. It's a tie. That was the only one I remembered a dog being in. <laughs> it's a tie game. All right, number seven. Who's this for now? This, this is for Jeff, right? Yes. Number seven, Jeff. The original Harry Potter appeared in what film? Character Harry, Harry Potter, Potter 2. Yes. No, kidding. <laughs> um, like the actor, Daniel Radcliffe? No, no, no. A character named oh. Harry Potter... Oh. Debuted in what film before the Harry Potter book franchise? Interesting. I'm going to need the options. A. Gremlins 2. B. Hobgoblins. C. Troll. D. Ghoulies. Um, troll. That is correct. You God. got it. Harry Potter Jr. Damn it, was the I knew kid that. The, the family in, in Troll. He is livid. I'm super. I knew that because he, because <laughs> I think the father was also named Harry Potter, and he right. wore glasses, and he looked just like. <laughs> damn it! All right, number seven. Mm. This is for Kia. This is eight. Excuse me. Thank you for keeping up. <laughs> I'm losing my place all over. <laughs> number eight for Kia. This was developed under the working title Beasties. What movie? Working title Beasties. Um, Would you like the options, or you have a guess? There can only be so many options, so I'm just going to guess. The question is what? I'm going to say critters. Incorrect. Damn it. Jeff, do you have a guess? Beasties. Troll 2. Incorrect. Uh, it was Ghoulies. No, I was going to... Well, that was back, by the way, when uh, apparently Stan Winston was uh, attached to Ghoulies at one time, and that's what it was wow. being developed under was Beasties, but he left the project. Mm-hmm. All right. Number nine for Jeff. Stephen Herrick, the director of Critters, went on to direct what other iconic 80s film? Hmm, could be Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That is correct. That is correct. It's only fair that you got it, so. Yeah. All right. Moving on. It doesn't matter. I can't win. What's the question? All right. Number 10. Critters 2 director Mick Garris has not worked on which of the following horror franchises? A, Friday the 13th. B, Psycho, C, Nightmare on Elm Street, D, Tales from the Crypt. Which one has he not worked on? Nightmare on Elm Street. Incorrect. Hmm. Incorrect. He directed an episode of Freddy's Nightmares. (sighs) Okay. He has never been involved in Friday the 13th. Otherwise, he's done something with all those other franchises. Directed part four of Psycho, and he directed an episode of Tales from the Crypt. So, Jeff, that makes you the winner of Little Monsters Trivia. Word. He did it. He is through the roof. We like to end every episode of the Half-Ass Horrorcast with a little segment called What's Making Us Scared. Ooh. In which we share with you, our listeners, things in the horror community or adjacent to the horror community that are making us excited and we want you to know about. Who wants to start us off? Jeff, I nominate you. (laughs) Uh, Well, to be honest, I didn't think of anything this time, but off the top of my head, I'm just going to say because of this whole uh, quarantine stuff, I'm home a lot. Yeah. So... I have a lot more time to work on my own art projects, so I've been doing a lot more paintings and drawings and stuff, and uh, I painted a, uh, uh, like, a wooden tray, or I did, like, a Beetlejuice design on it, and then I have, like, a couple wooden boxes that I have that I painted, 
Uh, one has the Hatbox Ghost from Haunted Mansion on it, and the other one is like a reference to an episode of The Twilight Zone with the Mystic Seer, the little devil bobblehead mm-hmm. from that episode with William Shatner. Um, so if you'd like to see any of those, they're on my Instagram page, Creatureville Art, and uh, I'm eventually going to put them on my Etsy page. I recently put a new print up on my Etsy page as well, uh, which Craig gave me the idea for. It's uh, Frankenstein's monster, but it's done in the style of Eric Larson from the cover of Savage Dragon Number 1. Mm. So if you're a 90s comic kid, you probably know Savage Dragon and know that character, that uh, that cover. Uh, but if not, you know, it's yeah. just a fun kind of action pose of... You know, yeah, it turned out it turned out really good, and I um, I have a uh, print of it already. I already bought one from you, and you hand delivered it on my bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 really cool. It's and it's very like uh, you chose to do it, and I, I'm a layperson, so I don't really know what to call it, but like where it looks like comic book print, kind of. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a a thing I bought like last year called Debaser, and it's like a it's basically like a plug-in for uh, Photoshop, and you can put the little dots and stuff and make it kind of look distressed and things. Yeah, so. no, it looks great. And uh, so, yeah, Creatureville is the IG handle and your Etsy page, right? It's called Creatureville yeah. also. Creatureville Art. Creatureville A-R-T. Art, yes. Yeah. All right. So. Kia, what mm-hmm. you got? Two things. Um, Jeff mentioned... The Beetlejuice this thing, and you sent me a link to this documentary that's called Documentary for the Recently Deceased, which is a documentary on the making of Beetlejuice. Mm. And you show, you sent me the trailer for it, and it looked really interesting because they have a lot of footage and behind-the-scenes pictures and things from when they actually filmed the, the movie and uh, interviews with people that were living there at the time and how that affected them living there and the things that they had to do to make the movie, how they had to build a house and build the, the bridge and right, the, right. not the bridge, but the, like the shed over the bridge. And anyway, it just looked like a really good documentary. So I'm not sure when it's supposed to come out, but I, I'm assuming it's soon, Yeah. but the trailer looked really interesting. So I think that will be fun to watch. What's it called again? Documentary for the recently deceased. Mm, check it out. And my other thing that's making me scared is a movie that Craig and I watched last night on um, TCM's app. I don't know what you call it. Their channel through yeah. our Roku device. Their streaming channel. Their yeah. streaming channel um, called Targets, which is a 1968 film directed by Peter Bogdanovich. By Bogdanovich. Peter Bogdanovich, the director of The Last Picture Show, takes you for a roller coaster ride through the canyons of a disturbed mind in Targets. You said it's his first film? Yeah. And it has um, Boris Karloff in it, and it's about... um, It was shortly after... I can't remember what his name was, but shortly after this this guy went to the top of a building at a college campus and killed a lot of people. And so this movie is about a, a guy, basically, that decides to do this... And not paralleling, but going along with that side story is another story about Boris Karloff, who's playing an aging horror actor Mm -hmm. who's... um, Byron Orlock. He's playing someone named Byron Orlock, and he's trying to retire, but people are trying to get him to to stay around. Anyway, those two stories are kind of moving along at the same time, and then they kind of dovetail. So, but it's really good. It was... I don't know. It was amazing. It was cool to see a 1968 movie, like, in color, because it really kind of made you feel like... It made it feel alive, because I'm so used to seeing things from the 1960s in black and white. Well, so I thought that was really interesting. Jeff, I think you would think it was interesting in general, but also because, you know, you, you're a big fan of um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and it's mm-hmm. wild seeing Hollywood in 1968, because, like, this is authentic Hollywood. I mean, it's, like, literal Hollywood in 1968, and they nailed it in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's outrageous. <laughs> like, the traffic and, like, what's on yeah. the radio and, and that sort of thing. Like, it's really neat yeah. seeing, oh, this is literally made in 68 with the same environment. <laughs> and it was so authentic in this this new movie that came out last year. Um, and the story behind it was that Roger Corman said, I have two days worth of work from Boris Karloff that I still need to, to get out of him. 
and I have film from this movie that I did with Boris Karloff called The Terror. If you can use that and Boris Karloff and make a movie, there you go. And he came up with this amazing idea. And apparently Boris Karloff liked it so much that he didn't get paid for it, and he stayed around for five days. And it's it's almost like a love story to Boris Karloff because it's just, I mean, it's just, he's really good in it. And Yeah, there, there's one amazing. moment where he gives a monologue, where Boris Karloff gives a monologue where he's telling, like, a story, and it pans in on him just slowly. <laughs> for all, you know, it starts at the cross the room, and it, by the end of it, it's, like, right on his face. And he just nails it. He has so much gravitas oh, and everything. Yeah. It's really cool, this dude pushing 80 at this point still has it you know yeah. what I mean and, and yeah. it's just I don't know it's a great swan song for him which I, I think yeah. you looked it up Kia and he had technically had a couple other movies after that but yeah. to me this is like the definitive you know late in his career movie for Karloff for sure so yeah Peter yeah. McDonavich said his, this is the only movie his father had seen because there was an interview with him after the movie and that he asked his father what he thought and his father just kind of looked at him and just like kind of gave him this really sincere nod and Peter Bogdanovich just started crying and said that was the best review he's ever gotten mm. and it's just a I don't know it's just it's a cool it's cool to see a movie from the 60s that's about also like someone who's doing a mass shooting because you don't think of that as being it feels like a more recent thing it feels like more recent it's been going on yeah. for a while yeah. um, so if I can find a way to to do that movie for this podcast I will do it <laughs> I mean, we could just, we could rent it on Amazon, I think, so. Well, uh, it will be done soon. Uh, and also, uh, TCM is going to have a podcast with Peter Bogdanovich where they kind of break down his career and everything, and it sounds really interesting, so that's something to kind of look out for, too. Oh. Jeff, is everything okay over there? <laughs> I have to laugh like that. Oh, we just did it here, too. Yeah, we heard it here now. Um so my thing that's making me scared is an Instagram account called Nature is Metal. <laughs> uh, just very briefly, I, I'm someone that's very soft-hearted, and I've had a lot of mixed emotions in the past couple of years about eating uh, animals and eating animal byproducts. And uh, kind of slowly was kind of tapering off of that sort of thing. And then I discovered this page, <laughs> Nature is Metal, and you just see animals, wild animals, doing the most horrible things to each other because that's what nature is. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not like, um, what do you call it, uh, Faces of Death style where they're like staging these things. I mean, this is just actual wildlife footage. And when once you learn about animals and what they do to each other, and the captions are really thoughtful, like the, the footage and the pictures are really horrifying. But you can read about it, and you actually learn about these animals and what they do to each other. And uh, it is just heartbreaking, horrifying, and it will totally make you feel okay about eating meat. <laughs> because, I mean, it's just kind of like, that's nature, you know what I mean? And, and it, granted, by all means, if you're a vegan or a vegetarian, I, I totally support you and sympathize with you. So I'm not trying to debase your uh, how, how you feel. But uh, just for me, as someone that was kind of on the edge and feeling bad about it, it totally changed my perspective. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, you will see... And we're not con he's not condoning, like, how animals are treated. Oh, no, no. Not Factory like that, farming, no. All yeah. it's really rough. I mean, and I totally sympathize with people that don't want to be a part of that. Um, but, man, I mean, once you see squirrels... <laughs> eating baby birds, oh God. it's kind of like, okay, <laughs> yeah, you know, like nature is rough. And, and it also makes you really thankful to be a human being because mm. we have it so cushy compared to every other animal. For the most it. part, I mean, it's we're crazy. at the top of the food chain. Oh, I mean, without a doubt we are. Until um, we, you know, go swimming in the ocean. <laughs> yes, Jeff. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, <laughs> that's rough stuff in here. Yeah. I haven't looked at it, but Craig has brought this yeah. up regular, often. Also, I mean, in all seriousness, if you are soft-hearted and easily upset um, by animals' cruelty, and that, this is not for you. But um, if you want to learn about nature in a way that you don't get to see on National Geographic and everything, I mean... Again, there, there's one one that really sticks with me was uh, a giraffe uh, has a calf, like it gives birth, and the calf is brand new, and the camera pans over, and there's a lion standing there. Oh, my God. And then when the, 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 the camera pans back, the giraffe, the adult, has run, and all they're standing there is just the calf that's brand new, mm. and the lion jumps on it and kills the oh. brand new calf. Oh. And it talks in the caption, it's, it's like how common that is. Like a, a lion or a predator will just stalk... 
you know, an animal that's clearly giving birth and eat the, the brand new baby instantly. It's like a very, very, very common thing. So if you think of those things, you know, in the context of what we do to animals, you know, it kind of, I don't know, it kind of puts things in perspective a little bit. So anyway, check it out. Nature is metal. <laughs> IG. I think it, I found it. Oh, yes. Yes. Jeff is now looking. No, at oh, God. Yeah, it's really rough. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, There's another one of, um, I think it's a wildebeest, uh, has a newborn calf and lions are taking down the mother, you know, to kill it. And like the calf mm-hmm. is too new to understand what's going on. So it just stands there and watches oh, no. as, you know, its mother is killed. And then obviously they killed the calf right afterwards. When you know it had every opportunity to run, but it hasn't learned yet uh, the danger. This sounds so. way worse than the investigation discovery shows I used to watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's worse in terms of uh, maybe the brutality that you see, but maybe yeah. not the content so much. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Kia, yeah, it is your turn to pick the movie. What you got? I am picking a movie from the seventies. I think yes. that's called. Well, it's Tales from the Crypt, the movie. Oh, nice. Have you yeah. seen it before, Jeff? I've never seen it, but I've wanted to. Yay. I know the uh, like the classic Peter Cushing yeah. zombie. Yeah. Yeah. Craig and I watched it like sometime last year, I think. And it, as soon as we watched it, we both were like, we got to do this for the podcast. And we just never picked it. So I'm picking it now. Um, it had been available on Shudder, but now it's just on Tubi. But I'm pretty sure Tubi's free. So if you have a Roku or some sort of streaming device... Get um, access to it pretty easily. Or probably just the internet, yeah. It's free, so it's on Tubi. So it, it's 12 Tales from the Crypt, the movie. Yes. I think it was on Amazon Prime for a while, too. I don't know if it still is. It is, but I think you have to rent it. Yeah, I, I, oh. I think you can still you can still stream it elsewhere, but you have to pay for it now, where it used to be oh, part okay. of Prime. Um, but as of right now, it's on Tubi, so... Yeah. It's, I mean, you can find it. It's a pretty mainstream movie, too, so there's probably other outlets that we're, we're not aware of. Yeah. So that's 19... Tubi or not Tubi. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so that's, uh, I think, in 1973's Tales from the Crypt, if you mm. want to keep up with this. Anyway, stay safe out there, guys. Stay safe. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Don't touch your face. Peace out. Don't, Don't touch, touch your face. <laughs> it's all true. Or anyone else's face. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Half-Assed Horrorcast. You can find us on Instagram at Half-Assed Horrorcast. Facebook at Half-Assed Horror, Twitter at H-A Horrorcast, and you can send us an email at halfassedhorrorcast at gmail.com or visit our website, halfassedhorrorcast.com. Yeah.